Welcome to Pull Quotes, the podcast of the Review of Journalism. Each week, I, Emma Jones, and my co-host, Joe Fish, take a look at the questions and concerns affecting journalists today. This week, in honor of International Women's Day, we're taking a look at motherhood and journalism through the eyes of Tracy Herbach, a freelance journalist and daughter of famed associate press journalist, Sharon Herbach. But first, to introduce this topic, we'll be speaking with Gemma Derliers, a journalist at The Review who is taking a broader look at motherhood and journalism for this year's publication. Hello. Hi. Hey, how's it going, Gemma? Good, how are you? Not bad. So you're done school at the end of the semester, right? Yes. (laughs) Are you excited? I'm excited, but it also feels like this big nerve-wracking abyss that I can't figure out. I like to plan ahead and I'm not able to plan ahead right now, so it's kind of stressing me out. But I'm excited at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little difficult during a pandemic to figure out what the next step is after school. Yep. (laughs) Why don't you tell me, first of all, a little bit about your piece that you're writing for the review? So I wrote a feature on what it's like to be a parent in Canadian media. The last time the review wrote something about this topic was in 1992. So I wanted to see how or if any policy or the way that the workplace works has shifted since 1992 to make it a little bit easier for parents in the media, specifically mothers, and as well as all the intersections that come with motherhood, like Black motherhood or um, two moms, et cetera. Really cool. Because, you know, what? this is something that I think about a lot because I'm a woman. I'm, I'm looking at motherhood sooner rather than later. So, you know, the sacrifices that women have to go through in order to be mothers and also to be successful in journalism, it's, you know, it's something that's really difficult to wrap your head around. Yeah, I remember I was 19. I'm 21 now, but when I was 19 years old, I was in my second year critical issues in journalism um, class. And the public editor at the time was teaching that class. And she said that she couldn't be the mother she wanted to be or the journalist she wanted to be. So she went into academia instead. So as a young woman looking at a career in journalism, are you concerned at all after writing this feature or are you more hopeful? I am definitely concerned um, because from the interviews that I've had with mothers and uh, women, it isn't looking too good, but Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful as well because COVID-19 has kind of shifted the way that work happens and family dynamics and everything. So I'm hopeful that because of this pause and what we're having with office spaces, I'm hoping that it'll really make us look at how we can make it equitable for everyone after we go back into the office. Absolutely. And even a lot of these studies that we're seeing that have come out where it's showing that women take on so much more of the unpaid at-home labor. Um, You know, I feel like this is really an eye-opening experience for a lot of people. For sure. I And I also have two sisters, two older sisters, and between them, they have seven kids. (laughs) And they have just been like in our group chat all the time, just being like, I feel like I'm going like in the same day and I don't want anybody to touch me and my sisters are doing like therapy sessions from their car because they can't get like space alone and so it I'm really hoping that these real life stories are really going to make society think about how we're treating our 
mothers of society. Absolutely. And so can you tell us about Tracy and how you came across her story? For sure. So um, her mother was the first woman who worked for the American press to die while on assignment overseas. And Tracy never really knew her because of um, her mother decided to work instead of raise her daughter. And I think it's a really interesting case of how we kind of frame women who decide to leave their children in order to pursue their career and the relationship that we have with working mothers, like as daughters or children as well. So I really think that's a really interesting um, way to think about it. And I also was interested in Tracy because she is also a freelance journalist with kids. And so I wanted to talk to her about how her approach to motherhood kind of changed and how her approach to work was informed by her mother's decisions. Unfortunately, I couldn't include her because she is American and a lot of my piece is Canadian policy and how that affects women. So it didn't really fit in my piece because then I would have had to talk about American policy as well. Thank you so much for suggesting, Tracy. I'm really interested to hear what she has to say, and I can't wait to read your piece when it comes out in the spring. Thank you. Sharon Herba was a foreign correspondent for the Associated Press in the late 80s and early 90s. Her first foreign posting was as the news editor in New Delhi, India in 1988. Eventually, she was promoted to bureau chief in Islamabad, Pakistan. In 1993, Sharon was covering a story about efforts to remove landmines in the area when the helicopter she was riding in experienced engine failure in northern Afghanistan. Sharon was killed in the crash, along with 14 other people, making her the first woman to be killed while on assignment for the Associated Press. After her death, her colleagues discovered she had been keeping a surprising secret. Sharon had a teenage daughter named Tracy, who lived with her grandparents in a small town in Colorado. Tracy Herba was born when Sharon was 25 and was left to live with her grandparents while her mother worked as a journalist abroad. Sharon never divulged the identity of her daughter's father, and he remained a mystery to Tracy until she was 38 years old, when she identified him through an ancestry DNA test. 20 years Sharon senior, Tracy's father was a reporter at the Associated Press at the same time as Sharon. He was also married at the time of their affair and had known about Tracy. Tracy later chose to become a journalist herself and has written at length about the anger and hurt at her parents' choices. She also reflects on how her parents' actions have impacted her own decisions as a mother and as a modern career woman. And so you, as a freelancer, you started writing about your mom quite a bit. Uh, what drove you to start that? Uh, I started that. So in 2014, my family friend, her name is Kathy Gannon, She's a Canadian journalist. Um, she was shot and nearly killed in Afghanistan. And she is someone that I became close with after Sharon died. She came to the house on behalf of AP when Sharon died a few months after that. Um, and we had just kept in contact since then. She's someone I still talk to. And when this happened, I felt an incredible amount of turmoil, emotional turmoil, and I didn't really know how to express it. Um, so I ended up writing an essay about it and 
randomly sending it to a professor I went to journalism school with um, in New York. And she helped me kind of get it in shape to submit it to the Washington Post. And they took it. Um, But that sort of started a love affair with creative writing. And um, it was the first time I had really felt you know, open and honest about what had happened because until that point I had tried to cover it up and I wouldn't really answer any questions about it. Um, I didn't want to anyone to know. It was embarrassing. It was shameful. Um, but after that, after coming out in such a really public way, it was really freeing. Um mm. And yeah, so I've I've done it again and again, and it's something that it's a type of writing I really love. Absolutely. And growing up um, as a child, can you tell me about one of the early experiences or one of your earliest memories with your mom? Let's see. One of the earliest memories, I would say that would have to be of her leaving. Um, I probably only spent... I would say I could count on two hands the number of times I was in the same physical location as she was. Um, But she was just always in and out, in and out. And so we never lived together. Um, And she was never officially a parent. She was just kind of this auxiliary figure um, who came in whenever she could, which was maybe once a year, maybe once every two years. Um, And the longest we went was four years. Oh, wow. Wow. Where was she going when she was leaving? Was it always to one spot or was she kind of around the world? Well, she left right after I was born. So it was never like a situation where she wanted to parent. And so she went back to her job and there were a couple locations in Texas. And then she went on to New York City for a while and then India and Pakistan was where she was based the last time. What was it like growing up with a mother who spent most of her time as a journalist abroad? I don't think I really, I knew it was weird, but I didn't have the words to put together to assign to it, if that makes sense. Um, You know, that's something that didn't come for a lot of years later. I knew it was different because most of my friends had mothers. Most of my friends had mothers and fathers and they were married or they were divorced. Um... So I knew it was strange. Uh, I think what was different about our situation is that, you know, instead of me being adopted, it's like my grandmother was sort of my mother, but then she also had divided loyalties with Sharon and me. Um, So anytime I would express any kind of frustration and later on it became anger, um, you know, she'd get very defensive because I was saying these things about her daughter. It was more like my grandparents filled the role because I was with them all the time. They did all of the parenting for me. Um, And then it was just occasionally this person would visit. Um, And then she also, she didn't look like a mother. (laughs) She, you know, was very tall and slim and dressed very stylishly and wore stiletto heels. And I mean, it was just like she came to this rural town and everyone was sort of mesmerized by her presence. Um, And so I think when my friends did see her, 
like that one time that she came to speak at the school, everyone was surprised that she's a mother because she doesn't look like one. She doesn't really act like one. Um, that kind of thing. What do you feel drove your mom to be so ambitious in her field, especially considering that that was a time when journalism was pretty male dominated? Mm -hmm. uh, I think there were probably a few factors. One was we grew up in uh, she and I both grew up in, you know, a house where her parents were working low wage jobs the town itself was very poor. It was a rural post-industrial town. Not a lot of opportunity unless you want to work at the bank or the grocery store in town. Um, mm. There was one industry there that made, it was a bus factory and that started closing in, I think the job started going away in the 80s. So unless you did that one thing, um, then there really wasn't a lot to do there. So I think that was part of it. And then... The other part was that she got in, she got into a bad relationship with an older man who had a family, and he also worked at that company, um, and, you know, that created some problems. With my father, he worked at the Associated Press as well, and it was sort of a work entanglement. He was married and had a family, so it was kind of like she was doing something that probably wouldn't have been looked favorably upon, obviously, um, and especially in that time period. Um, so I think, you know, there was a real incentive to leave Denver where they worked together. Um, so, yeah. And so you mentioned a lot about how your mom was kind of feel like she might have been driven to try something new based on where she was raised. And you, you also grew up in the same town. So do, do you feel that those things also influenced you to work hard and kind of embrace a, an alternative career? I think that they really propelled me to want to leave um, growing up in a place where everyone knows everything about you <laughs> and not having any sort of privacy. You know, I wanted to move to New York since I was probably six years old and I saw a magazine, a Reader's Digest magazine in my grandmother's bathroom and there was an illustration of Central Park on it and it just looked so alive lots of people lots of things to do and it was just an illustration but it really captured my imagination mm -hmm. um, and I knew that is more of the life that I wanted than the way that I grew up and I could imagine that that was you know Sharon she had ambition and goals and maybe it wasn't her, her necessarily her initial plan to be a foreign correspondent, I think based on talking to some of her friends in her younger years, she didn't really know what she wanted to do per se. She just knew that she felt driven to do something that mattered, do something that was exciting and make an impact. And so you're growing up and you have, you know, this complicated relationship with your mom and your grandparents raising and you're seeing, you know, this sort of lifestyle that your mom's chosen to have. So what uh, drove you to be, want to become a journalist? Uh, so, well, the thing is, we didn't know a lot about her lifestyle until she died. And then we started hearing stories from her colleagues. Um, and I think it was something once they learned about me after she died, because they didn't know that Sharon had a daughter tucked away mm -hmm. with her parents in rural Colorado. 
um, I started getting these messages of like, you can totally do what she did and maybe you should consider being a journalist. And, you know, if you ever want a job, there's one waiting for you, that kind of thing. And even with professors at school, um, I don't think I necessarily knew what I wanted to do, but it was always there. So it was kind of, I don't want to say I was walking blindly down it because I do appreciate a lot of things about journalism. Um, but I think just having this kind of influence, you know, on my childhood, it was sort of, it was sort of outweighed this influence. Um, and looking back, it makes sense that I did what I did because her influence was really heavy um, in my childhood, mm -hmm. even though she wasn't there. Absolutely. So you've had this chance, you know, you lived it, then you became a journalist yourself, and now you're looking back as a parent. Do you regret going into journalism or do you feel it was the right choice for you? There are certainly days I regret it. Um, but most, mostly I'm happy. Uh, and especially now that I've been doing the creative writing piece, um, because I want to write a book. I'm really interested in books. I love books. Um, so that's kind of what I'm working on right now. And journalism has helped, um, shape who I am in a lot of positive ways. I used to be a really, really shy child. Um, and, you know, journalism is what has brought me out of my shell. And it's given me so many amazing experiences, chances to meet people um, who are world leaders or just people doing amazing things or people who have gone through terrible tragedies. And mm -hmm. it's also given me the chance to learn about things that I probably wouldn't know about otherwise. And I really appreciate that as someone who is just an innately curious person. And I love learning about weird, esoteric topics. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I, I feel that as well. There are so many sacrifices to this, but at the same time, I feel like it's such a privilege because people really want to share their stories with you. And like, people have told me things that they would, they've told me later on, they haven't told anyone else just because it was their opportunity to take ownership of their own story. Mm -hmm. But looking back, is, was there anything you would have been done differently now that you are a mom? I don't think so. It's sort of been just kind of trial and error for me. Um, mm -hmm. And some things have worked, other things haven't. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily change anything. Pull Quotes is produced by me, Emma Jones, and Joe Fish. Special thanks to our executive producer, Sonia Fatah, and our digital content specialist, Lindsay Hanna. Our outro music was produced by Paisley Sears. If you would like to read more about women in journalism and how they choose to navigate or forgo parenthood, be sure to check out Gemma Dorlier's piece this spring in the Review of Journalism. Joe Fish will be back in two weeks' time, looking at how photojournalists are covering climate change. Until then, stay safe and stay healthy.